Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Napa know-how. Get all the quality parts you need at your locally owned Napa. Because right now, when you order from Napa online, you can pick up curbside at your local store in just 30 minutes. Or get your order delivered direct to your door with free one-day shipping and over 160,000 quality parts when you spend $35 or more. Quality parts delivered quickly and safely. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating stores, standard ground shipping and exclusions apply. It's that little Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide, and you already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at Negative to Positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken, and you know, that's fire. Now, Bobo, you know that you can get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on negative to positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. episode of Collider Mailbag here on this lovely Sunday morning. I am your host, John Roca. Super excited to welcome back to the show one of my favorite uh, Schmodown competitors, a guy I love to work a program with, and a guy who does a wrestling promo almost as close as good as I do, uh, the, the great Jay Washington. How are you, my friend? I'm great, but I wish you would have warned me before you started Squire calling <laughs> when the episode started. Here he I was like, oh, is somebody giving out papers? Is there a horse coming through? What is it? It's a horse coming through. <laughs> <laughs> I, do that. I got myself all See, choked up. you got up. yourself all choked up. You can't do all that with my old lungs now. <laughs> How's it going for you, my man? Man, everything is good. Everything yeah. is great. Been busy. Yes. Working Seen a lot. That. You know, yeah. just definitely having fun with everything now. I'm happy. You know, it's one good. of those things I can say. I'm happy. Yeah. And so just enjoying everything and definitely happy back to be here. Yeah, yeah. Just to answer some great questions and talk about things. It's always good to have you on, man, because I know you enjoy talking and communicating with the fans on the numerous shows that you host and numerous shows that you do. And yes, guest stars. absolutely. So this is fun to do this with you all. And you all know I'm a big fan of the questions you send in. We pick out a few questions to choose from. I send them on to Jay. Jay picks five that he really likes and wants to talk about, and then we discuss it here on the show. Which is very difficult, let me let you know, first <laughs> yeah. and foremost. I yeah. want to... It's not like he just sends me six or seven. He will send us like 15, 16 questions yeah. that you literally have to look through everyone and like, oh, my God, I got to drop this down to five. Yeah. So, so you guys do great questions. They do. Very specific questions and sometimes very broad questions that lead to fun conversations. Absolutely. So I, I always appreciate the ones that people choose because it makes it more easier to have a fun show with. And, of course, we couldn't do that without you guys. And we really appreciate you sending the questions. Send them in when we put the call out on social media, on Instagram and on Twitter. Look for that call out for Collider Mailbag, and then put the hashtag Collider Mailbag in your response or in your question so that I can find it easier all over social media. And hey, maybe you don't like social media or you couldn't, you couldn't get around to social media. You can also email us at mailbag at collider.com. I also pour through all those questions to find the best ones. The one thing I will suggest, though, 
To make your question easier to choose, don't make it five paragraphs long. We don't have time to read those kinds of questions on here. Try to keep the limited space time to what it is, like maybe three or four lines, optimally two lines, but maybe three or four lines, maybe a paragraph and two extra lines, but that's about it. That makes it easier for us to choose. It them. always starts out. So, hey, guys, how you doing? I want to tell you my thoughts about a lot of things. But yeah. before, I get <laughs> before, started, before I get to the question all the way at the end. Yeah, yeah. But, but those are fun to read, but I rarely pick them on yeah. the show. So if you can do a better job of condensing, that'll give you a better shot at ending up on the show or having your question selected. Anyway, let's get to it, Jay. Let's do our first one. And this is literally one uh, line here. It's from Instagram uh, Movies Bring Me Joy. He asks, is Shazam's box office a disappointment after how successful Aquaman was for DC? Jay Washington. Why does anybody consider it a disappointment? Yeah. This is starting to build this uh, perception of this, this narrative. New, right, this yeah. new DCEU film universe, whichever you want to call it. Yeah. It is not a, a failure. Aquaman was meant to do what Aquaman was going to do because of the success of Jason Momoa alone. Yeah. People knew because women were going to go by droves, men were going to go by droves to see Jason Momoa. Let's just be honest. Mm -hmm. Many people may not have cared fully about the Aquaman story. We may have got a little bit invested from BVS, a little bit more from Justice League, but people were going to see Jason Momoa. Now, Shazam was never going to do the same numbers that Aquaman did. Never was. Let's just be honest. Most people, unless you are familiar with DC, unless you're familiar with the comics and the cartoons, don't know who Shazam is. And then, which one of the, the... little concerns I had was Zachary Levi as Shazam. Let's just be honest. Mm-hmm. Everybody was like, Zachary Levi as Shazam. Now, granted, when I saw the movie, I was like, well, damn. Yeah. He's great in it. Yeah. It's not a failure. This movie was, what, 90 to $100 million for the budget? Yeah, it was the budget, 90 to 100 yeah. This movie is gross over $320 million. Well, 347 at last, uh, before we came on set, I checked it. Okay. 347 worldwide. 347 Mm -hmm. worldwide. Mm -hmm. You and I have talked about this on Movie Talk before. Yeah. This has made twice its budget and then some. Yeah. It is nowhere by any means a disappointment. I know some people were considering a disappointment because, quote unquote, it did not knock out Captain Marvel. Yeah. But why? That was only, I think, fans putting that competition up. Mm-hmm. I don't think DC nor Marvel had that competition of Shazam versus Captain Marvel. Yeah. Shazam is a success. And the fact that instantly they put part two into production quit in development quickly yeah. lets you know that. Yeah. I think also you have to look at the context of the situation, right? This is a very heavy superhero time in the film calendar, yes. right? You have Aquaman, you had Captain Marvel, Shazam, and then Avengers Endgame. Mm-hmm. That's a lot to ask of the fans to go like, okay, which one am I going to see many, many times? Shazam is a film you see once, maybe twice, and you're like, I can't wait to buy that. I will I'm, watch that absolutely. on repeat at my house multiple times. It's that kind of a feel-good film. I also think it's not that well-known of a character. Captain Marvel is the first female superhero led in the Marvel Universe. Avengers Endgame is the culmination of this thing. Jason Momoa, Aquaman, you're like, okay, what is he going to do with right. this character of Aquaman that a lot of people know from like the Super Friends in the 70s on to now, and obviously the comic books, but it's been a subject of ridicule. What can Momoa bring to it? Mm-hmm. People wanted to see. Plus, you have James Wan, who's a fantastic filmmaker, yes. gets you through the door. So there's a lot that was going for these other films. Shazam came in, in spite of all that, was a completely different take, an 80s-inspired uh, film mm-hmm. that has sh- shout-outs to Big and the Goonies and That's all these exact- It's big with superpowers. Exactly, <laughs> and, you, and you're having a lot of fun with it. So it's not a film that you necessarily need to go see multiple times. It's a film that you enjoy seeing once or twice, and you're great, and you move on to the next thing. But it doesn't mean that because it hasn't broken 400 or 500 million worldwide, that it is 
a failure. And remember, the MC, the DCU is still building its credibility back with the fans yes, on both sides of the spectrum, right? And so you got to allow for uh, certain ones to hit as as high as Aquaman does, and other ones to still do moderately well. And that's Shazam. That's what you want. It wasn't a failure. It's not a box office flop. Maybe it didn't hit five hundred million, but it still uh, made its money and then some, and inspired a second film. And, and got I, great critic uh, reviews. Yes, critics. absolutely. And I think the thing is, we need to stop trying to set a bar for what's a flop or not, especially when it comes to these superhero films. Mm. Again, a flop is anything that doesn't make twice its budget. Right. When it comes to these superhero movies, because their budgets are so massive. Mm-hmm. But you have a film in Shazam that did that. Yeah. People try to say, well, what about the marketing budget? That is included in the regular budget in production. If it goes extra, they will let you know. Yeah. But this is in Shazam wasn't just dumb marketed. It was marketed the way most superhero films are on right. the average. And when I say the average, because an MCU blockbuster is an entirely different thing. And you can't look. You can't with one side of your mouth say, "Oh, Spider Verse was made for ninety million. It made three hundred seventy-five million. That's incredible." And then the other side of your mouth say, "Shazam was made for ninety million and only made three hundred forty-seven exactly. million. You can't do that. They, you got you got to be you got to make it an equal playing field. Yes, one's animated, one's live action. I get that, but both still had a big uphill climb in front of them and were able to make their money and then Absolutely. some. So I don't think it's a flaw. But I think I think that sequel. I think we're going to need a a deeper, more uh, um, uh, I don't know, a more complex film for the second film. Now that he's become Shazam, I don't think we need more complex. I think the only level of complexity, if you get any, mm-hmm. is teaching the kids how to use it. Okay, because you have a Eugene Choi, you have Pedro, who's just like I'm fat now, I'm strong, right, right. You know, teaching them to calm down when they use it. Granted, we had the same situations with Billy, right. You know, when he first got it, but now he understands more. Mm-hmm. It's teaching. I don't think you need to get super deep and super complex because if you do, then you get Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Well, I which I like, so I don't. I, don't, I, don't, I don't, but I'm just saying it yeah. was so much so much exposition in Volume Two. Well, complex I think would be the characters. Like we don't get much with the characters and the kids. Oh yeah, they're absolutely. just present. It as just oh, this. Oh, yeah, we'll absolutely so get I'd that. So I'd like next. a little more oh, yeah, we'll And that's what that. I mean. Yeah, there. we'll absolutely we'll get that. Uh, all right, let's, what's our next question there, Jake? All right, next question is from Instagram from Zachary D31. And Zachary asks With the success of Netflix documentaries and ESPN's 30s for 30, even if only at the cultural level, do you think TV documentaries are generally better than documentaries that are in theater? Well, this is a, this is an interesting question. I'm glad you picked it, Jay, because this is about volume, right? Uh-huh. And you, there are so many TV documentaries. Look at Netflix. Look at Amazon Prime. Look at Hulu, and then jump into ESPN. ESPN Plus. There are so many. Fox Sports gets into documentaries. There are way more uh, documentaries on television of numerous topics, and I haven't even jumped into nature or planet oh, no. Earth or all those. Those are so much more uh, uh, concise and they have time to breathe with multiple episodes of them in terms of planet Earth, but we get 30 for 30, that is a brand. Well, like, oh, I get, know what's going to Well, Netflix has been giving us those documentaries that are just one. Yes. You know, it's not a, it's not broken down. Again, abducted in plain sight. Right. Uh, making a murderer. The, the uh, fire one. Yes, about, yes. Just to name about a few. But the Fire Festival, right? Yeah, to name a few. And so. Which Hulu did as well. Uh, Hulu did one as well. But those are the standalones. Yes, you do get the Planet Earths and you get those that are mm. 10, 11 parts. I think those are completely different ballgames. Okay. When you say, are they better than theaters? We're not seeing as many come out in theaters. The most recent yeah. one we know of was uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor? Right. And which was great. 
It was great to see. It was great to have it in mm-hmm. theaters, you know, because, of course, it can go for an Oscar run. It should have that, that was the number one thing. But I don't think I think nobody I think documentary documentarians and directors mm-hmm. are like, we're not going to take that chance as much with putting it in theaters because yeah. that costs so much more. Mm-hmm. Whereas opposed to taking the finished file, email it to ESPN, email it to Netflix, right. email it to Hulu. It takes so much more. Yeah, or even HBO. There's a new Muhammad Ali documentary coming out mm-hmm. now produced by LeBron James, directed by Antoine Fuqua. So you've got like that's, that alone should be a theatrical release and the subject matter, Muhammad yes. Ali. But HBO is doing it and that th- you put it on that because they have a freedom to create this in a certain way mm-hmm. and a built-in fan base that's going to watch oh, it. Oh, absolutely. And you don't have to hear that your documentary is a failure because it didn't make a certain amount of money. This is a great situation And for it's them. HBO, yeah. so not only are you going to watch that documentary. You're right. going to find yourself falling into other documentaries. Yeah. If you like comedy, you'll find yourself going to the Robin Williams one. Right. Then you may, with HBO, find yourself going over to movies and TV mm-hmm. shows. So it opens up a bunch of different avenues, as yeah. does Netflix, as does Hulu. Yeah. So I don't, and ESPN is just its own entity, of course. We know it's going to be sports. One of the greatest ones I saw for 30 for 30 was the Ric Flair one. But That's a good one. They are, it's not going to, it's not that it's better, it's just that it's easier to put it on those street streaming platforms. Right. Like and those, said, a built-in audience. It's a built-in audience yeah, yeah. already. Whereas theaters, you're hoping people are going to get up and go out. Yeah. There's a new one that just dropped this week from 30 for 30, the Dominican Revolution, and mm-hmm. I can't wait to watch that. I've got that ready to go because I have the ESPN Plus streaming service. I tell you, having the ESPN Plus streaming service is so much, so much more convenient because I can go... I've got an hour or two hours. I don't really want to watch anything that's on television. What documentary ha- that's on there have I not seen yeah, yet? Absolutely. I, I just watched the 42 to 1, the Bo- uh, Buster Douglas one. Mm-hmm. That, that's a fantastic hour-long doc. And then I watched the George Best, which is the English soccer one about the great, the first superstar soccer player, George Best from England. Really incredible, incisive documentaries. So that kind of work is being done for some fantastic directors. And they don't want to do the uphill climb of being in the theatrical film go da- or being in the, in the theaters, go down into the streaming services or go down into these channels and have the built-in audience support your work absolutely you don't have to go on this massive press tour yeah you don't have to deal with all again the potential criticism coming out no matter what yeah look we know that net i'll go for netflix netflix has put out some great documentaries and they put out some other ones that would have been like blah yeah but at the end of the day netflix is going to still keep a retention of its viewership yes. and word of mouth has spread through a lot of these documentaries. That's how people found out. A lot of people found out about making a murderer. Mm-hmm. That's how a lot of people found out about abducted in plain sight yeah. because people were talking about it consistently. It wasn't that, yeah, Netflix may have put it up in front of you, but nine times out of 10, you see some Netflix puts in front of you. You're like, that's not what I'm looking for. Right. That's not what I'm looking for. Yeah. So to have these things like that, that the streaming platforms offer that the criticism doesn't have to come as hard. The built-in audience helps to generate the views. Yeah. It works out better. Agreed. Agreed. Let's move on to our next question. Instagram. It's from Elusive Rock. They ask, hey, at the Roka says, and badass guest, how did you know? Uh, with Peggy Carter name dropping Brian Braddock in Endgame, do you think this means that those Black Knight and Captain Britain film rumors were actually leaks or at least credible? Also, Brian's sister is Psylocke, and with the earthquake under the ocean teasing Namor, we now potentially have two teases for mutants in the MCU. Does this point to a big Hall H panel slate reveal? As always, sorry for the mouthful and stay sweaty. Well, this was so... And this is spoilers heavy, yeah. letting you know now. Probably yeah. should announce that ahead of time. Whatever. Look, we had a the point. The film made a, almost two, uh, one, one and a half billion it's dollars. It's going to make two billion by the time you see this. Yeah, if you haven't seen so it yet, I'm guess sorry. What? That's your fault. Yeah, right, uh, exactly. Let's move on. I think definitely the Brian Braddock drop and uh, the Black Knight thing were, were credible because it had been talked about. It had been yeah. rumored for a while for them to come out. 
and it would be a different tone for the MCU. Just like when we went to Wakanda, where it was all Wakanda in Black Panther. Right. There was, I mean, yeah, we went to Busan for a moment, but the film was based off that region. Yep. It was a standalone MCU film that was still in the universe. I think seeing the Brian Braddock story, I think seeing the uh, Dane Whitman story, mm-hmm. or there's, there's a bunch of iterations of the Black Knight you can do. Yeah. You can do either the hero or the villain. So I believe they're going to put this. I don't think it's going to be a slave reveal at Hall H because I, I, I don't think Marvel's going to have a presence this year. Though. It's too soon. Way too soon. Right? You just want to. We've been on this 22 film journey. Mm-hmm. Let's all sit back for a little bit, relax, put our feet up, and like enjoy savor, what we have. Yeah, enjoy what we have and savor a little bit. And then we'll do reveals, and then yeah. we'll start announcing slates. I feel like you got to take a little bit of time to let the Avengers Endgame settle over everybody, and they and then get get them ramped up, let them rest a little bit, and then get them ramped up and excited again for a new slate of films. I saw a friend of mine sent me a uh, a picture of the possible new slate, and some of those titles. I've been, were I've ridiculous. been seeing several of those. Yeah, I'm like, this so, is ridiculous. I had to tell people on social media, I was like, hey man, <laughs> do not get your hopes up that high, yeah, because it's like <laughs> it's just old type. Like Namor has his own individual film like that is not gonna happen <laughs> because again if you think people didn't know about aquaman very few people know about name or the submariner yeah they're gonna, to give him give, yeah. they're gonna give do it his own film exactly but it does open up the doors now i do get having brian braddock and betsy braddock because it goes into another question about the radiation we talked right, about. Right, right. So it brings all that in. I don't know if they'll connect the two of them instantly mm-hmm. because the MCU is known for holding those little Easter eggs yeah. and dropping them around until they decide what they're going to do. Now, we won't hear anything about the mutants until next year, until mm-hmm. 2020. So if Captain Britain comes up, yes. Anything about the words mutants, I don't think we'll get until next year. Yeah, and, you know, we talked about going into the cosmic world, which we've seen now with uh, with Captain Marvel and with Avengers Endgame and, of course, a little bit with Infinity War with uh, Thanos. But you've got to now expand on the world itself, which is you go into Britain and mm-hmm. you go into other countries. Shang-Chi is a possibility. Yes, now, it is, definitely. They've been talking about it. So now it's about expanding out instead of up, and that's what we need to do in the next phase of the MCU, and that's going to be exciting to see what they can do with that. And Captain Britain is a great way to go about it. And, of course, as you said, Jay, you teased the X-Men with Psylocke. Is Psylocke going to eventually be part of this whole situation? Will she be a villain? Will she be on, the, on Team X-Men? Who knows? But at least you drop these little hysterics, as Jay was saying, and they let you go, oh, Oh, maybe, maybe there's right. thing. and will they do the deals? Because Namor's with with Universal, so will they do the deals? Oh, there's the, there it is. We'll see if the deals come through, but that's got that stuff's got to get worked out. But they've at least dropped the teaser that something might be. And coming, also, and you remember for, for those who don't remember, the Phase Four, like you said, is cosmic. Mm. Cosmic yep. also includes quantum and magical. Right. Brian Braddock as Captain Britain is based off magic. Yeah. So that helps t- tease in and tie in. Excuse me to Doctor Strange somewhere. You know, so everything tied. It, it's hot, and we're getting the sequel to Doctor yeah, yeah, Strange. Yeah. So we may get the Doctor Strange sequel that might introduce us to Merlin, which will turn will let you know that Brian Braddock is coming. Right. And so all of those things will play. But again, we just had eleven years worth of films. <laughs> we just culminated a gigantic one with twenty the twenty second film. True. We're not getting another Avengers movie for a very long time yeah so everybody has to make sure they remember that too mm-hmm. that there's no, not going to be some gigantic team up for at least seven to eight years yeah good point all right what we got next jay 
So the next one comes from uh, Twitter. It's from at DanceDJ2K. And this is one of the ones I was just going to bring up. They said, three times during hashtag Avengers Endgame, they mentioned the, quote, cosmic effect or, quote, radiation emissions from the snap. Possible hints how mutants can be introduced? Hashtag Collider Movie Talk in a mid-mailbag. We know what you <laughs> Yeah, of course. Certainly that's the possibility here. Uh, I think they want to, uh, I think they wanted to drop hints of different avenues with which mutants could be Mm -hmm. uh, created or explored or possibly could happen. The five-year time jump certainly allows for certain things to be explored or occur. Someone maybe in those five years who didn't have something else or another job took on this thing and then accidentally discovers mutants or whatever. There's all kinds of possibilities you explore. But yes, certainly cosmic effects, certainly radiation emissions is a way in or two ways into the possibility of mutants. I will always... I'll go back to X-Men First Class, and I know it's not an MCU film, no. but Sebastian Shaw Sebastian Shaw says, we are the children of the atom. Right. As talking about nuclear bombs. Mm-hmm. Radiation is pretty much the same thing. Now, what, like you said, that five years, there are children who develop new powers. There are adults who become mutants. And so now when we do decide to go that route, which is going to happen, we don't have to go through the whole watch Charles Xavier grow up mm-hmm. as a kid so he becomes Professor Xavier. Maybe we can see him in his college years or maybe almost towards being older where he might be paralyzed already. You never know. But we definitely have that door open. We definitely have that way in. It isn't going to be... I I always said that the reality snap would change everything because reality has changed. But also when you hear those Easter egg lines again drop, cosmic effect, radiation, Mm -hmm. you're like... There it goes. And it says it's a mass proportion because Rocket also says, spoiler alert, Earth is ground zero. So any place is ground zero catches the most of it. Yeah. So, yeah. You, you never know. And, and the thing is, what, what do they say in every franchise? If something rises up, something counter will rise up to meet it. Yep. So getting half the heroes wiped out or most of the heroes wiped out, then the mutant gene can be sparked by that as an evolutionary mm-hmm. thing to counter the villainous, uh, the villains not being wiped out or, or people like Thanos coming down. So that's all nature. That's nature. It's all right, nature. Let's move on uh, to our last one. Email. Uh, it's an email from Ben Murphy. He writes, hey, Collider, I loved Endgame. By the way, this is a spoilers question again. Spoilers question. If you ain't seen it, it's your fault. Yeah, right. But what's <laughs> <laughs> with lots of questions at the end of about the Infinity Stones. Cap had to return the stones Tony used to snap Thanos back to their respective times and locations. For the Soul Stone, this means he would have had to go to Vormir to see Red Skull. Awkward. If he gives the stone back, does that mean Natasha can come back? Also, how will Doctor Strange defend our universe now that he has no time stone? Finally, any thoughts on whether we will see a gray, stoneless vision in the new series, or will they make this a prequel with the stone still in place? Jay, a lot to unwrap. Okay, here. I'll go with you on this. Okay. I had everybody's been talking about that about Cap turning the stone, returning the stones, mm-hmm. and I was just telling John about this. Not only with the Soul Stone of Vormir, but he has to go back into Thor and put the ether back in Jane yeah. Foster. Like he has to put it in her. Like, but I don't remember each time we've heard the Red Skull say it's an everlasting exchange. It does not change anything. Mm. It just puts the stone back. He actually Cap has to sneak to put the stone back because he cannot interact with Natasha and Clint. Mm-hmm. Remember, they were trying their best not to interact with them, their other selves. Yes, he had that fight with himself. Uh, Cap had that fight with himself, but that's because the other Cap thought he was Loki. Right. There was never no, oh, you're me, so that he can't, couldn't interact with them. 
Uh, Doctor Strange, his power comes from him being the support, Sorcerer Supreme, first and foremost. Mm-hmm, yeah. The Eye of Agamotto is a relic within itself. It does not need the Time Stone. It helps that he has it. He does not need it. He still can't control space and time yeah. without it. If you remember, he, there are different spells he can do. He doesn't need the stone. The stone enhances it. We might not see as much time manipulation, mm-hmm, but he still does things. And so as to whether we will see a gray stoneless vision, I think that's what... Now, they say WandaVision may be set in the 50s. I'm doubting it, but I think that's how we get it now. Mm-hmm. Because there was a reason he turned gray at the end of Infinity War yeah. when, when Thanos pulled the stone out. They didn't just let him lie dead as, you know, his regular color, the mm-hmm. blue, green, and, like, teal, magenta, yeah. whatever it was. He turned gray for a reason. And again, all these these series we're getting on Disney+, Plus, we've heard titles. Mm-hmm. Now titles will change. Remember, Winter Soldier and Falcon sounds really awkward, don't it? But now Captain America and Winter Soldier yeah. sounds better. Right. WandaVision, given the fact that we know what their storyline is for those who don't, House of M, mm-hmm. we're going to go this route. Uh, the Loki one, that's why he escapes with the Tesseract. Yep. It opens the door for all these things. Mm-hmm. So they played off of it very well. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think just about everything Jay said is on point, and I'm with uh, the idea of I would like to have seen Captain America see Red Skull and see that interaction <laughs> about returning the stone. Tell him, uh, look, I'm going to get up out of here. You just stay right here. Yeah, but, but remember, <laughs> this is a Red Skull that can't, like, go after Captain America. No, he can't he do has anything. a job to do in the Soul Stone realm. It's the price he's paid for having that. Mm-hmm. And who knows how that could alter things What's Loki's move with the Tesseract? That's what I'm most interested about. Everything else is fun to speculate about, but I want to see what Loki does with that Tesseract and where it takes him and what adventures he goes on and what he unlocks or changes or, uh, you know, uh, messes up. Yeah. Loki's, Loki's He's series. He's got a mischief. Loki's series may be the most interesting one yeah. because he takes the Tesseract and we've always seen him do different things with it. Mm-hmm. He knows of Thanos. That That's a given. He knows, you know, the whole invasion with the Chitauri. Yeah. Thanos doesn't know yet as of the Loki in that timeline that left. Right. So it'll be unique to see what he does. Does he play with, you know, different emotions? Does he play with the Avengers mind game, you mm-hmm. know, play games with them? Also, Cap has his own reality now. Right. And and this is the deal. By removing the stones, the MCU now uh, kind of allows secret invasion to occur. Yes, it does. All kinds of things can occur now because you don't have the ultimate stop, uh, uh, ultimate power to stop certain things from happening. Yes, Doctor Strange doesn't have the eye of Agamotto. He can still protect the world, but maybe not as powerfully without the eye of Agamotto. No, he has the eye. The eye is the stone. The eye is the relic. So those things, those are the things that are possible here. And now with the weakness, the defense is a little weakened certain things can occur and, and come to light and we can see how this all plays out and it makes a more exciting situation. Also, this is an Easter egg that many people did not catch mm. to let you know we're going into alternate universes and it was early in the movie. When Scott's van is in the storage, mm-hmm. did you see the label, what it said on the, uh, the Lang thing? It was I one don't. The, what is it? 616. Oh, uh, right, which is Earth, which is the call sign for Earth. It's so called Earth 616, but it's letting you know we're going to yep. spread out now. Yeah, yeah, there'll be multiple dimensions. Yeah. There you go. All right, well, there you go. I <laughs> uh, hope you have a towel handy to wipe the sweat off your brow, how sweaty we got with these last three questions here. But, you know, it's been, it's been a little bit of time, so I thought we should address some of these Avengers Endgame questions. I'm sure a lot of you fans out there want to have these conversations and talk about these kinds of things. And maybe we gave you a new perspective to take into the next conversation hope you have so. with your friends about it. I want to thank Jay Washington for stopping 
stopping by. Jay, thank, thank you. Thank you so much. Where can people find you and the stuff you do, my brother? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. J Washington, M-R-J-A-Y. You should know how to spell Washington. My YouTube channel, youtube.com slash J-A-Y Washington 80. And check out the Mad Titan podcast everywhere you get your podcasts from. I get you caught up on everything that's happening in the Marvel and DC live action cinematic universe. It's basically, it's barbershop talk for nerds. So come on, <laughs> join this combo. There you go. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. You can follow me at The Roca Says on Twitter and on Instagram. Hey, if you want to listen to more of me talking about stuff, Top 10 is there on its own feed on iTunes with me and Matt Nost. Got the cinephiles rolling. And I got a new show called The Geek Buddies that's out there. You can find it on Twitter as well. And my new podcast here, Collider, called The Deep Cut. If you want to go find it, I'm going deep into a entertainment a tough topic in the world of entertainment and exploring it and bringing it out. I want to bring stuff that a little people some people just don't want to talk about too much I want to bring it out into the light and this week my guest was Benjamin Bray and Raul Castillo the director and star of the new film El Chicano Latino superhero film talk about their journey bringing that to the screen and also what it's like being Latino in the film industry and fighting to bring a, a film like that to the screen so you can find that on the Collider Conversations podcast channel it's a fun interview trust me you'll enjoy it all right Thanks, everybody, for joining us here at Collider Mailbag. Remember, when you send in the questions, put that hashtag Collider Mailbag on social media. It helps me to find it a lot easier. Or email us at mailbag at collider.com. Shout out to Adam Smith for helping us on this one. And we will talk to you soon to, uh, next week with another two episodes of Collider Mailbag. Napa know-how. At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save $25. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. While supplies last, offer ends 83120. Shop Black Friday week deals Sunday through Friday at Kohl's. Plus, get $15 Kohl's cash for every $50 spent. And take an extra 15% off. Get the big one throws, $8.49. Toastmaster small appliances are just $2.14 after rebate. And Fitbit Versa 2 is $129.99. Plus, take 30% off Lego, 70% off fine jewelry, and save on boots for her, $16.99. Plus, get fast and free store pickup. Shop Black Friday week deals at Kohl's and Kohl's.com. Select styles. Office valid November 22nd through the 27th. 15% off with promo code ENJOY15. Lego and Fitbit. Offers and coupons do not apply. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details.